I was assaulted and I was scammed out of money and um, it took me a long time to come to terms with the fact that I'd been so foolish and naive. Hello again folks, welcome to another episode of In Melbourne Last Week, a conversation podcast where I talk to everyday people who do extraordinary things. My name is Ivan Pigioni and I'm a Melbourne-based podcaster, voiceover artist and radio presenter. Last week I spoke to Jules Hannaford, she's an Australian podcaster and author based in Hong Kong. She's the host of the Hong Kong Confidential Podcast, where she interviews people there about their lives, personal journeys, and secrets. You can find it anywhere where you listen to your podcasts. Jules has also written a book called Fool Me Twice, a memoir where she details the dangers and pitfalls of online dating based on her personal experiences. And the book has received five-star reviews basically everywhere. You can purchase the book as a paperback or an e-book on Amazon or on her website, www.hongkongconfidential.net. And you can also find out more about her podcast. Podcast there. It was a really great conversation and I really enjoyed speaking to Jules. We talked about what it's like living in Hong Kong as well as some real world examples based on her experience as to what happened when she tried some online dating. She had a pretty nasty experience and we talk about that as well. Some of the content in this episode may be sensitive to some viewers so if you do feel affected by any of the content today please contact your local crisis hotline. Anyway here's my conversation with Jules Hannaford. It was a great one. Enjoy. I'm on the other line with Jules Hannaford. She's an Australian podcaster and author, and she's living in Hong Kong. How you doing, Jules? Yeah, really good. Thanks, Ivan. Thanks for having me on your show. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for, uh, well, after I reached out to you, thank you for uh, being interested. Oh, you're very welcome. It's an <laughs> honour. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> um, so, Jules, I guess we can start off. Um, so, you grew up in rural South Australia. Um, whereabouts in, in South Australia did you live? So, I grew up in a little town called Riverton, which is in between the uh, Barossa Valley and the Clare Valley. Oh, very nice. Yeah, and then I went down to boarding school in Adelaide when I was 15 and I became a school teacher and then I taught in Adelaide for about 10 years and then it was teaching that brought me over to Hong Kong about 19 years ago. Oh, okay, so you continued your teaching career in Hong Kong. Yeah, I'm still a full-time teacher in an international school. Oh, excellent. What subjects do you teach? At the moment, I'm teaching Learning for Life, which is like personal social health education and global perspectives and personal and professional skills, and I'm head of year 12. Oh, great. So, quite a bit of responsibility. Yeah, yeah, and I love it. <laughs> I absolutely love my job. I'm very, very lucky. That's good. And the kids are well-behaved, unlike the some kids in Australia these days. <laughs> you know, they, they like discipline. <laughs> the kids are great. We're so lucky. We have 44 different nationalities of students in our school, and on the whole, they are really amazing. Oh, They're excellent. terrific kids, so I feel very, very lucky. Oh, you sound it. <laughs> very, very lucky. Yeah. Right? yeah, learning about different cultures as well. Yeah, exactly. It's great. Yeah. yeah, we learn a lot about other cultures and um, there's a lot of uh, opportunity for travel here in Hong Kong as well, which is really a good opportunity to learn about cultures as well. Absolutely, yeah, because it is a, quite a melting pot. It is. It's a really multicultural city, um, Hong Kong, very eclectic and it's great. Much like Melbourne where I am. Yeah, Melbourne's, <laughs> actually Melbourne's <laughs> one of my favourite cities in Australia. I love it. It's yeah. very cool. Yeah, very cosmopolitan. Yeah. So how has the transition gone from going, you know, I, I guess people say that Adelaide's a real quiet city, you know, and it's very tranquil and not as many people. How has that gone from going from that environment to the bright lights and the bustling city of, or the bustling streets rather, of Hong Kong for you? It's interesting that you ask that because when I first got to Hong Kong and I was in the city, 
I felt like I had vertigo, like I had this weird sort of inability to sort of focus on things because it was there was so many lit neon lights and so many people <laughs> and it was just a real hubbub and buzz. Oh yeah. Um, but I actually live on a small island off Hong Kong, so I'm still living out in the rural areas of Hong Kong. So. Oh, okay. How long does it take you to get to actual downtown Hong Kong? Uh, so I catch a ferry every day, and it takes 25 minutes on the ferry. So right. it's really nice because I live on this little tropical island, and then I can go to the big city whenever I want to. So I've got the best of both worlds, which is really nice. Oh, that's cool. And is that what's the name of the bay in Hong Kong? Is it a bay? or? Uh... Oh, Victoria Harbour. Oh, Victoria Harbour. So you've got to cross Victoria Harbour uh, to yeah. get to Hong Kong. Okay, awesome. That's right. Yeah, the ferry pulls into the ferry piers at Victor- in Victoria harbour so we go through there all the time and how long is it did you say it takes to get there 25 minutes 20 okay pretty good it's better than a melbourne commute these days yeah <laughs> i used to drive 45 minutes in adelaide to get to work so oh. shorter than that oh way shorter goodness yeah. <laughs> nice so they've um, they've got it going on quite nicely in hong kong especially with the high density and and a lot of things going on as well i mean what are your um speaking of of things to do in hong kong what are your favorite things to do um, I used to play a lot of netball, which is fantastic. I love doing that, but I had to retire because of my knees, so I had to give that up. But uh-huh. I love going to the beach and just going to – we have some great music festivals and the arts and culture here is really getting better and better. And then there's really cool markets and just going out to funky areas in the city and it's just such a cool place. And there's lots of great things to do when tourists come, but I don't tend to do them when I don't don't have visitors like going up on the peak tram or going to the big Buddha and things like that. Oh, I've yeah. never been I've never been to Disneyland though. <laughs> oh you never have. <laughs> no. I have, have, no, have you, no have, interest. <laughs> have you been to any Disneylands in the world? Yes, I have. I've been to Disney in um, California. Oh yes, yeah, in, I, I in LA. Too. Oh yeah, I did that last year. Yeah, that was uh, that was very expensive, but it was interesting. <laughs> I know it was interesting, but I really liked um, the what's the other one? The well, the not Disney, but the other park. Um, oh, I forget what it's called. In in um, in that area, is yeah, it? yeah. Oh, I think they've got the Adventure Park. Uh, I yeah. think that's the one. It's like the newer one. It's it's smaller, I believe. So they got the original Disneyland, and then oh, they've right. got some other adventure park kind of thing. But it's still part of Disney. That's that's. Oh, for, right. I think that might be the one you're thinking of. Yeah, memory. yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, it's all right. I'm sure you go to the Hong Kong one. You know, one day. Maybe <laughs> only if I've got visitors. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'll see how you go. Um, so speaking of Hong Kong, you do a podcast uh, over in Hong Kong called Hong Kong Confidential. So uh, tell us about that podcast, Jules. So it's an interview-style show where I interview really interesting and amazing people from Hong Kong. It's been going for about 21 months, and it's been just doing really, really well. And I have guests ranging from activists to abuse survivors to LGBTQ members of the community to a shark expert to a fireman uh, to a woman who just survived in the tsunami um, people on online dating and relationship experts and you name it have all sorts of guests and oh, it's wow. really just anyone that I feel is interesting yeah and it's been such a wonderful experience because I've met so many incredible people yeah and I've been so inspired and uh, it's just really amazing. I was actually featured in the South China Morning Post yesterday. Oh, right. Which was okay. a lovely surprise, yeah. Oh, that's cool. So they wrote an article about you. Yeah, they wrote a little piece just on Hong Kong Confidential, and we just last week 
had the first ever live podcast festival in Hong Kong, which I helped organise. Oh, wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah, so it was really good. Is podcasting a, a burgeoning medium in Hong Kong? Because in Australia, it's I think we're kind of in a golden age when it comes to podcasting because there's so many podcasts in Australia. W- would you say the same for Hong Kong? You know what? It's just in the infant stage, I think. Ah, it's okay. really growing. There are quite a number of podcasts coming out of RTHK Radio, and they've been there for a while. And there's a number of Chinese podcasts, but there's very few podcasts in English. So uh, there's a group of about five of us who are all friends and we all have a podcast. And then there's a few more just starting up and coming on board. So there would be less than 10 English podcasts in Hong Kong. Oh, yeah. So... So it's a real, it's a really interesting time and a real time of growth and excitement. And I think the momentum's really just building. So yeah. it's a really exciting times to be in podcasting in Hong Kong. And plus, you've broken ground as well with your podcast, being an English-speaking one based in Hong Kong. So you're a you're a pioneer, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, I'll be like the grandma of the podcasting world as it grows in Hong Kong. <laughs> oh, well, the uh, yeah. elder states person, I guess. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, just the states person, whatever you yeah. whatever you prefer. <laughs> I don't mind. Oh, whatever. That's cool, yeah, because that, that's like Australia. I reckon about probably five years ago, Australia was very similar to Hong Kong. I mean, not in terms of the English-speaking podcasts, but just weren't as many there. But now there's just so many, it's it's ridiculous. I mean, anyone can just pick up a microphone here and, <laughs> and record something. It's crazy there's just so much interest here i know it's crazy globally apparently there's about eight hundred thousand podcasts on itunes at the moment yeah. so it's it's been growing very very f- quickly over the last 10 to 15 years yeah. and it's really such an exciting new medium of communication because people can do it on the go and everyone's got such busy lifestyles these days that podcasting is a really easy way to get your information or your entertainment because you can do it as you're exercising or driving or mm. doing working whatever it is so it's it's super cool and there's a subject for anything really oh there is you just <laughs> have to like search and you can find some whatever you're interested in you can find it yeah. So if you like underwater Dungeons and Dragons, I'm sure you can find it. <laughs> There's probably 300 of those just underwater. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's probably 10,000 Dungeons and Dragons podcasts. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. And I'm just saying, just like you, I, because I, in Melbourne last week, this podcast, we, I, I speak to people who do incredible things as well. Not, not necessarily in Melbourne, but like I told you off air, but pretty much anywhere in the world. And, and like you, I've been inspired speaking to people as well. I've heard the most amazing stories. So uh, yeah, I, I, kind of, I kind of understand where you're coming from. Yeah, it's really brought a new perspective into my life, I think, and given me a new sense of sort of purpose and drive and and a new interest. And although I was writing my book last year and teaching full time and doing a weekly podcast, that was a lot. (laughs) Yeah, I don't regret it because it's just been such all all aspects of my life have been so positive. And it's been a real time of sort of growth. And I've been getting so much information where I've been making small changes to my life based on what I I've learned which is really nice okay so uh, I guess changes around the home or changes with your with your uh, mentally or physically or I mean what I kind think of changes so. it just really a lot about health and well-being and healing and uh, uh, goal setting and having little it's like having free coaching sessions and just learning more about mental health which helps me in my role as a teacher learning more about education which helps me in my role as a teacher so many different ways even even learning about feng shui and things like that it's just uh, amazing yeah feng shui would be a big deal in hong kong 
It is, and it's so fascinating. And I, I just had a podcast um, this weekend, that, uh, last weekend, that was on Feng Shui, and it's so interesting. So oh, cool. it's amazing. I'm able to really learn about all of these incredible, interesting topics and sh then share it with not only people in Hong Kong, but my podcast listen is being listened to in 110 countries around the world. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, so it's doing really well. Oh, well done. Well, I'm going to listen to a few episodes after this as well, especially your, your latest one with the uh, tsunami victim as well. That sounds really interesting. Yes, that's a gripping one. I think it's awesome. I'm oh, hoping wow. to put that one in the Australian Podcast Awards next year. Oh, absolutely. Well, I, I was in the Australian Podcast Awards uh, last year as well. Um, I do another podcast uh, about Seinfeld. Um, so that we put that one forward, and we were uh, we lost to an SBS podcast, unfortunately. <laughs> but uh, oh, yeah. really? Did you make the did you get shortlisted in the final? Yeah, yeah, I was shortlisted. Not not for in Melbourne last week, but for my other podcast. Yeah, I know that's great. Congratulations! Yeah, thanks. It's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, really nice community there. We went up to Sydney a few weeks ago uh, for the ceremony, but yeah, um, we were um, nominated for best fan cast, so podcast which is you know targeted for a specific fan group. So you know, in our case, Seinfeld fans. Um, but yeah, an SBS podcast uh, won that one. So uh, yeah, no, it was really good, really nice, and uh, yeah, I'm sure uh, I'm sure you can definitely put your application forward, and uh, hopefully you become finalist. <laughs> well, yeah, I've been in it for the last two years, and I haven't made the final, sadly. But never mind, I, I won't give up hope. Third time's the charm. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you might be there, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, you never know. You never know, indeed. So I guess besides the um, the tsunami victim I mentioned before, and you, and you mentioned a few other different guests that you've had as well, what other the guests or notable ones have you had where you've been like besides besides your latest one where you've said oh my god this is this is an incredible story i mean can you give me one or two examples yeah for sure episode 50 which is called stroke is about this woman who was 31 years old when she had a stroke in hong kong hmm. and it's really her story of how she really went through that whole process and then her recovery and it's incredibly moving we were both in tears at oh. the end of this podcast and it's actually my most listened to podcast out of all of my podcasts it's yeah. had the most downloads i could um, imagine as well because you know strokes and those kind of illnesses have affected many people so i guess it resonated with them yeah absolutely but it's not so common in a 31 year old um, school teacher who was young and fit and a you know a triathlete and a, a really sort of active girl and it, and it's just a really quite an amazing story and just the way she tells it is really very very powerful and very gripping oh, yeah, wow. it's, it's amazing that's well, incredible. And um, and then the other couple of ones which have been super popular have been, funnily enough, on sex. Oh, okay, <laughs> Se yeah. <laughs> sex sells. <laughs> a universal, yeah, it does, a universal yeah, yeah. topic. So one was with a girl called Sarah Tang who has a podcast in Hong Kong called Better in Bed and mm. we had a, and we had a conversation about, really, about sex and, and everything associated with sex and that was really super popular. And another one was with a girl called Valentina Tudos who is a dating and relationship expert and in fact, I've had three um, podcasts with her and one was on dating and relationships. One was on open relationships oh. and the third one was on um, matchmaking or her role. So, yeah, they've all been super popular as well. Ah, oh, there you go. Open relationships, a very uh, taboo topic in some circles and uh, matchmaking, yeah. a real uh, real niche thing. Yeah, yeah. And the <laughs> open relationship one, we've had some lovely feedback on it. It's a topic that she really handles very, very well ah, and cool. it, she's very articulate. 
articulate and clear and, and really gives us a good understanding of what it is without making it too controversial. So it's really cool. Very good. Well, you can go to uh, www.hongkongconfidential.net uh, to listen to that podcast. And I guess you're on any other service as well, Apple, yeah, uh, Spotify, I'm- those ones? Yep. Everywhere where you can find your podcasts, I'm there. So Excellent. Yeah. Well, yeah. Hopefully, uh, my listeners can uh, can listen to it. I'll put those details in the show notes as well, uh, which will be Thanks, good. Thanks, Yeah. No worries. We'll have a listen. Can't wait. Yeah. Cool. I hope you enjoy it. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm I looking will. forward to checking yours out as well. Oh yeah. Me too. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, for this episode, anyway, when I uh, when I put it together. Um. So speaking of, uh, I guess other media uh, mediums that you've done, uh, Jules. Uh, besides podcasting, you've written a book. Um. About the dangers and pitfalls of online dating, based on uh, your experiences, called "Fool Me Twice." And uh, I've read that you've actually had very positive reviews. I've uh, gone on Amazon and a few other book websites and it's basically five stars for you. So you've had quite a a claim or quite a a bit of a claim for the book, which is fantastic. Um, So I guess, um, Jules, tell me about the book and uh, what kinds of experiences did you face uh, which inspired you to write the book? So basically, well, thank you for that great intro to my book because it's lovely and it has been really well received. It's been amazing. I've had great reviews and very positive feedback. A lot of my friends who read it say that they heard it in my voice. <laughs> yeah. It was like I was sitting at the end of the bed reading them a story. Ah, uh, sure. <laughs> um, but basically, it's around my online dating disasters. And in actual fact, in 2010, so about eight years ago, I went to meet this guy in the UK who I'd met online. And it turned out to be a disaster and I actually put myself in a very very dangerous situation where I really felt like I could have been killed oh wow and I was assaulted and I was scammed out of money and um, it took me a long time to come to terms with the fact that I'd been so foolish and naive and that's why it took me so long to write the book. I was only really able to write the book eight years later because I felt so ashamed of being such a fool. Um, But I really wanted to put the book together so that I could not only get my story out there but to help other people not get caught in the same trap that I was. And at the end of the book, I do a whole lot of information on uh, how to watch out for a scam, what to look for. Um, I dissect a, 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 a scammer's email. I talk about online dating safety tips. Mm-hmm. I talk about how to get out an, of an emergency if you're caught in an emergency. And basically, the ending of the book is kind of wrapped up in my epiphany and the things that I've learned about myself and also the... Um, the ways that people can stay safe. So yeah, it's quite a quite an amazing story and not not to give too much away, but it did turn out that after I'd reported him to the police when I got back to Hong Kong, um, it turned out that he was actually a known criminal with an, a rap sheet dating back to the 1990s and oh. more than 20 aliases. Oh, goodness. Jeez. So as you can imagine, once I found that out, it was like um, I realised that I was probably even luckier to have survived. Mm, wow. Yeah. Geez, quite an experience. Yeah, it was quite an experience. It's absolutely <laughs> frightening and 
Yeah, I just and there are a couple of other little scams. It wasn't the only scam I was involved in. I hmm. was scammed a couple of other times, but on a on a smaller scale. Yeah, all this but, all these online scams, uh, Jules, is just so prevalent. I mean, my previous guest who I had on last week, she was um, a victim of catfishing for twelve years. So there was actually a person who pretended that he was a seventeen year old man and he was seducing her and everything like that when she was a teenager, and then it turns out he was a sixty year old man. Another scam. So I mean, these oh the, these online these online things are so prevalent which is really scary it's super scary and you know what it's the biggest uh fraud industry in the world at the moment online dating scams and uh, globally it um contributes to billions of dollars of money that is lost i was very lucky i didn't lose massive sums of money and um, i was catfished as well in the sense that apart from his picture being real nothing else he told me about himself was real yeah, yeah. And um, so I was, ca- I mean, catfishing normally you don't have the same picture either and and you don't meet them. And that's where my story is quite different because I actually went to the UK to meet him. Oh, so that's, yeah, that was very different to my previous guest. So she never actually met him, but uh, so you actually went to meet him. That, that's yes. the difference. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah. right. And, mm-hmm. and during that time, he conned me out of a significant amount of money. And then um, there was a whole lot of stuff about how I, he wouldn't let me insure the hire car that I'd hired. And he really pushed me not to insure it. And even though I knew that that was the wrong thing to do, I went along with it because I was jet lagged and I felt a bit intimidated. And then he sucked me back in again after that. And then towards the end of the the week that I was there, he disappeared with the car. Oh, geez. so I yeah, so I thought I was going to lose this car that was not insured and that mm. was going to cost me like I didn't even know twenty or thirty thousand dollars. Thousand pounds, and then if he got into an accident and was uninsured, then uh, then you're, tr- of you're in trouble. Yeah, disaster. Yeah. yeah, so yeah, it was really really terrible. And so right at the end, I had to get the car keys back from him, and that's why I kind of put myself in more danger than I really should have mm. because I want I needed to get that car back because it wasn't insured. Oh wow, jeez. Yeah. What a story. And then he, yeah, and then he ended up smashing me between a door and a wall and I was quite injured and then he was screaming at me and threatening me and threatening the um, owners of this motel and it was a very very scary situation. But the interesting thing was that when I was in my 20s, I was in two domestic violent relationships. Ah, oh, jeez. Both, both for about five years each. Yeah. And because I'd been in that situation in my 20s, when this guy started to kick off like a psychopath, I was able to stay completely calm. I didn't get hysterical and I didn't get angry. I just stayed super calm. Because you've already been through of, it. Yeah, it was like I had this feeling of, oh, God, here we go again. Oh, wow. And and I'd been in that situation in domestic violent relationships before, so I really was able to keep my head about me and keep my wits about me. And so I think that's what really saved my life. Yeah, well, you've think, gotten out of it now, and uh, you're doing wonderful things. Yeah, <laughs> thank goodness I got out of it. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, I never put myself in that situation again. And it's really interesting now that I know what I know when I'm because I'm still single and I'm still online dating a little bit, but I'm really able to watch out for all of the red flags that I really was unaware of when I first started online dating over ten years ago. Yeah, and I guess with with that, I mean, what kind of tips can you give someone who is looking for love in 
the digital space? Well, I'd say, first of all, when you're looking at somebody's profile, if they say things to you like they're, that they're widowed or they, their partner has recently died of cancer or they use two full first names okay, or they have profile pictures that look like they're a movie star. So if someone's um, called Edward John and they look like Brad Pitt, don't go near them. Yep. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's a big clue. All right. Exactly. Cool. It's good to know. And, um, and then if they say to you, oh, I'm not usually on this site very much. Let's get off and let's WhatsApp um, oh. very quickly. That's another red flag. And also people who um, say, yes, I'm in your city. We could meet. Oh, sorry, I can't. I'm being called away on a business trip. I've got to leave tonight, but I'll be back in three months. Yeah, right. And things like that. And there's so many things. Like I literally had two pages of things to watch out for, mm. um, for red flags in my book. And so then I would say the other thing to do is to Skype FaceTime with that person face-to-face before you meet them. That's an absolute must. If somebody in this day and age is telling you that their webcam doesn't work or they won't Skype with you or they don't have FaceTime, then get rid of them. It's a scam. Yeah. It's a clear scam. And this happened to me. He would not Skype with me. He would talk to me on the phone. He would type to me on Skype, but he kept making excuses for the webcam. So to this day, I don't actually even know if I was Skyping with the guy that I met. Oh, God. It could have been a different person. That's scary. Like Because... Because there's a whole story about a shop and then he was going to share in this shop with this British guy and I wonder whether that guy was actually the guy that I was talking to um, rather than this other guy whose English wasn't perhaps as um, proficient. So, and that's another one to look out for. If they can't write English very well and yet they're saying they're from a Western country, yeah, that's big, another red flag. flag to look out for. Massive. And then if people are going to go and meet somebody, they should get as much information. Oh, Google the person first too. Oh, like yeah, in this yeah. day and age, if you Google them, you'll find something on them. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, then that's, that's a concern. Yeah. And then you should give the person's na- full name, phone number, and all the information you have on them to a friend and make sure that you meet them in a public place. Never have anyone come to your house. No, And no. don't meet them somewhere private. No, so it's got to be out in the open with other people. Yeah, it's yeah. got to be. And also having an exit strategy already planned is a good idea. Like even to this day, if I'm meeting somebody, I'll have a friend text me and half an hour into it and I can use that. Well, actually, now I'm just to the point where I say, I'm really sorry, this isn't working. I'm, I'm going to leave. Thank you so much. Yeah. yeah. Um, but for some people to have the confidence to do that can be um, a little difficult. So mm. having an exit strategy and, you know, if there's any young teenagers listening, you know, you've got to tell your parents. You've absolutely, you know, you can have a group of people sitting in the same place and, and for young people, if they're dating, if the person you're meeting, they should be willing to meet you with friends or your siblings or a parent. Yeah. Um, I know that there's a girl called Carly in South Australia who was scammed by somebody online and, and in actual fact, he murdered her. It's very sad. Oh, and there's goodness. A, wow. Yeah, there's a law called Carly's Law which has been passed in the South Australian Parliament now which um, has much harsher penalties for online dating scammers um, And that is Carly was murdered. Yeah, and that is obviously the worst case scenario that could ever happen out of this, actually losing yes. your life from it. It is the worst case scenario, yeah. but you know, it still can be very traumatic to be abused or raped or oh. mistreated or lose yes. money or yes. and and you don't even have to meet the scammer to be scammed. That's the thing. Mm. There are many people that give up years of 
with their life. So they cut off their opportunities of meeting somebody else because they think that they're in love with or, you know, have potential to be in love with this person they've met online. And then all of a sudden there'll be an accident that happens or they'll lose their job or they'll need some money. And yeah. then people start handing over money and suddenly you turn around and people have lost everything. Yeah. And it's just so sad and it's a real, real worry. Yeah, really scary, I know, especially with there's just so many people who just don't know the warning signs and unfortunately they get uh, they get taken. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, people feel a little bit embarrassed about telling other people about what's going on in these online relationships, but I'd really recommend it because having someone else to talk to can be like having a sounding board. And if you hear yourself saying, well, he says his, uh, cam, his webcam won't work and he says that his um, son's in hospital and needs money or whatever. And if you hear yourself telling other people this stuff, you can really start to see it for what it is, mm. that it's a scam. Yeah, it's just excuse after excuse after excuse. Mm -hmm. Then you know it's it's crap. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, another thing is never, ever, ever give anyone your credit card details, your uh, any money, nothing. And I think the other thing is you, yeah. you just can't know whether you really fall in love with somebody online and you really need to meet somebody to see if there's a true connection. So I wouldn't recommend any long, drawn-out interaction with someone online. Mm. I would recommend trying to meet them as soon as possible, first of all, to see if they're real and second, to see if there's a connection. But make sure you Skype face-to-face -face with them first so you can get a sense of whether you may have a connection with them or not and they look like who they meant, who they say they are. Wow. Jeez. And very, very sound advice. And Ivan, I must point out that I do have a lot of friends who have met and married through online dating. Oh, and of that course, one, yes. And that one third of people who get married in this day and age uh, meet their partner online dating. So yeah. it really can work. Yeah, there's plenty of positives. Yeah. yeah, unfortunately, there's a lot of people out there who are not legitimate. And I was very naive and trusting and just thought everyone was as honest and reliable and trustworthy as I was. But the other interesting thing to point out is I'm in the demographic that a lot of the scammers are looking for. I'm in, I was in my 40s and now I'm in my early 50s. Mm -hmm. So a yeah. lot of scammers are looking for older women who are single because we're typically you know, more lonely and more searching for companionship and possibly have money or property or whatever because we've lived a longer life. And that's where the scammers use the widower excuse and all that kind of stuff. Yes, yeah, and they'll do whatever yeah. they can to pull on your heartstrings. Yeah. It's amazing Incredible. how the stories that they will spin to you. And, and what unfolded for me in the week that I met this guy in the UK was that he started to trip up on his story. Yeah. And I started, to, I started to see that things weren't right. Mm -hmm. um, but every time I questioned it or started to pull away, he was very good at manipulating me and telling me what I wanted to hear and reeling me back in. Yeah. So it was a really... He was very professional at what he did. He would have done it many times before. I think so, yeah. I really do think so. Yeah. What's your take um, on... Oh, sorry, you were saying? I was just going to say, you know, and there's other things that he did. Oh. Like, he sent me photos of himself standing next to an Audi and all these sort of things. And that wasn't real. He was just standing next to some car in the street. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, there were all these little things that just weren't real. And the jobs that he told me he had, neither of them were true. <laughs> Rocket scientist, I brain I believed them. <laughs> no, he was, a, he was a project manager in a construction company in Manchester in the UK. 
and running his own mobile phone business. Now, tell me, who's going to be having their own business and running a construction company, hmm. managing uh, projects worth millions of UK pounds? Oh, like, no. nobody. But no. that didn't even occur to me at the time. Yeah. That that was just absolute rubbish. It just would have sounded really, I, yeah. It just sounded would have sounded really amazing, you know, yeah, hearing all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then when I arrived in the UK, all of a sudden, he just quit his job. <laughs> and and the car, that, the BMW that he said he was driving, which there's another mismatch because the photo he sent me was next to an Audi. Yeah. But he told me he had a Beamer. So, <laughs> you know, so there you go. But I did, you know, like I just wanted to ignore all of that instead of recognizing that there was another slip in his story. You know, he had that was a company car and he had to give that back. But it was all rubbish. All trash. Yeah. No but, good. Um, I was really proud of myself for when I came back and the fact that I really worked very hard to convince the police in the UK to accept a statement from Hong Kong because they weren't going to and to try to have him arrested. And it did take six months before they arrested him. But I was really proud of being tenacious and sticking at it. And in fact, my book started with the statement that I wrote for the police. Oh, okay. I can say you you put the statement in the introduction. Well, no, that's it's part of the book. Is I've sections of the statement, but oh, that's how right. the book began. I I wrote a seven thousand word statement for the police, and <laughs> right. then they're like, "No, we just want the facts." So I had to cut it down to like seven hundred words. <laughs> and you thought, "Oh, I'm just going to use this as a book." Yeah, and then I'm like, okay, well, here's the start of a book. Little did I know how difficult it was going to be to write it. Yeah, of course, um, having to relive all those experiences. Reliving the experiences was tough, mm. but actually it was interesting because when I read back over the, what I'd written, I could really see how he had manipulated me. I could really, it was kind of eye-opening because I could see what he had done to trick me and manipulate me. I kept all of our Skype chat from years ago, so some of that's included in the book. So it was actually quite cathartic and I was able to forgive myself a little bit because I could see how clever he was at manipulating me. Yeah. And for people who read the book, it'll be fascinating for them to see how he played me. And it can happen to everyone. You know, I'm well educated. I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm well traveled. I, I pride myself on not being a fool. And yet I was duped by this con man. And this is the thing. It can happen to anybody. Mm -hmm. And the shame that I felt was incredible. And I actually did a Brené Brown workshop um, with a girl called Rebecca Hopkins, who's now in Melbourne. So if anyone in Melbourne wants to look her up and do Brené Brown work with her, she's amazing. Mm -hmm. But that really helped me to overcome the shame that I was feeling and the, and the foolishness and the horror I felt at the mistakes that I'd made. And also the fact that I'd some come so close to possibly being killed. Yeah. And what is Brene Brown? Jules? So Brene Brown, she's an amazing vulnerability coach. Oh, okay. She, yeah. she has a Netflix show and she has a, there's a lot of stuff um, that she does on shame and vulnerability on YouTube. And she really is a, a, about rising strong and daring greatly. These are some of her courses. And they're really good self-development programs where people can really come to terms with who they are, mistakes they've made, owning their story. That's the crux of it, is owning their story. And that's what I did with this book. I owned my story and yeah. I put it out there. And it was incredibly anxiety-causing because I not only hadn't told my family about this, my daughter knew about it, but my parents didn't know anything about it. So mm. I had to reveal that to them during the writing of the book. Oh, yes. Of course, they were incredibly supportive, but I just felt embarrassed. Yeah, of course. And also... Um, 
I'm a teacher in an international school, so mm. I was very worried about my reputation as a teacher and yeah. how people would view me. Yeah, and how, you know, how the education board might view you as well, depending. Yeah, well, I had incredible support from my company that I work for. I approached them and spoke to the principal and the human resources department of the school and the, the whole organisation, and they've been absolutely brilliant. And you know what? I've had nothing but positives. I've had a few of my senior students have read it, um, some parents have read it and everybody just recognizes that there's really universal themes in this book and that it could happen to anybody and at the end of the day I've done the book so that I can help others not have the same thing happen to them so I feel very very lucky yeah I yeah. feel super lucky and you've done a fantastic thing putting that into print and uh, and bringing it out and hopefully uh, there won't be any more victims of this of these heinous acts well, in the future. Thank well, you well so not much. as many. Well, I'm hoping that things will change, but unfortunately it seems like it's growing. But I think awareness is being raised. Yeah. Like absolutely. when this happened to me, there was nothing really about dating scams online or in, well, actually social media hadn't even really been in, it had only just begun. So I, I was, I went into it very naive and hopefully others won't be going in quite as naive in this day and age because there's so much more coming out. You know, things like the podcast Dirty John and Who the Hell is Hamish? And, yes. And, uh, you know, Dirty John's been turned into an amazing TV series. And I'm actually going to turn my book into a podcast as well. Oh, you so a, should. Yeah, into a true crime podcast. So oh. I'm just uh, in the process of writing that and hopefully we have that together by the end of the year. Will it be called Fool Me Twice or are you going to give yeah. it another name? Okay. No, it'll be called Fool Me Twice. So Excellent. yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to getting that out there. And I may even continue, like after the eight-part sort of series on my book, mm. I may actually continue doing online dating scam stories with other people and sort of keep the podcast going oh, if I yeah. can find the time oh you'll, <laughs> you'll find a lot of people I'm sure a lot of guests I think so yeah, yeah yeah I really think I will absolutely well I'm looking forward to that one as well um, and I guess yeah the book is called Fool Me Twice like I said before Jules I went on websites to check it out five stars across the board so it looks fantastic and uh, you can purchase it as a paperback uh, or an ebook on Amazon and uh, anywhere else you get your books yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, the reviews have been amazing. Yeah. I'm, I'm really, really thrilled, and I've had a few media articles on it, and it's just been wonderful. Well, excellent. Well, we're looking forward to the podcast as well. Yeah, great. Thank <laughs> you so much, Ivan. No worries, Jules. And that, and for the book and the podcast and anything more about Jules, uh, you can go to www.hongkongconfidential.net. Struggle to get that one out. That's a tricky one. <laughs> Hong Kong Confidential. Hong Kong Confidential all the time. Try saying that <laughs> 10 times in a row. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a tongue twister. It sure is. Well, Jules Hannaford, thank you so much for being with me tonight. It was really nice talking to you. Oh, thank you so much for having me on the show, Ivan. I'm really, really thrilled that you got in touch with me, and I hope people will check out my podcast and my book. Oh, um, they will. Cheers. Cheers. That was in Melbourne last week. Thank you so much for listening. I'm always looking for guests, so if you're doing something extraordinary and you wish to share it on the podcast, be sure to send me an email at inmelbournelastweek at gmail.com. You can also find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Links to those are in the show notes. You can find In Melbourne Last Week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and pretty much wherever else you get your podcasts. See you next time with another episode with another special guest. Take care. Take care.